You're listening to Beyond Headlines on 88.7 FM, The Bay. I'm Sabina Hooper. Canada's food price report says the cost of your groceries will likely soar another 5 to 7% this year. Now, here's something to keep in mind. They made the same prediction for 2022's prices, and that turned out to be more like 10.3%, which is just outrageous. How does the consumer combat those costs? Joining me now is Randy Dornick of the Almaguin Learning Center, who runs a course on saving money when shopping for food. Uh, Randy, thank you so much for doing this. This is definitely a topic that is going to get people very, very riled up. How do you feel when you go to the grocery store and you see your bill at the end of the day? It's frustrating. It's it's not even the bill. Um, The last time I was in, what drove me most crazy was how much smaller things are getting. Uh-huh. Um, I, it was a can of something is physically smaller than the other one I have in my cupboard. And it was just, so not only are the prices going up, the volume that you're getting for those prices is going down. And, and that at, combination is brutal. And you're at the mercy of corporate uh, culture, yeah. and there's nothing you can do about it, really? No, no. Um, there's particularly rural you don't have a lot of choices. There's not a lot of variety. If you don't have a vehicle to get to a major center, you're stuck where you're stuck. And and it really is being at the mercy of a single provider. Oh, it's so unfair. Now, let me throw this at you. So Canada's food price report that came out, That's this is the 2023 report that came out in December. It is forecasting for the family, for your average family of four, $1,000 more to to feed your family for the year how i'm pretty sure most people aren't making that much more money to to well and and i think it's something that gets lost Mm -hmm. in the discussion about numbers and cost of living increases and and those kinds of sort of statistics is that for a lot of people um when you look at something like um cost of living increases it, inc- it includes categories that somebody living just on the edge isn't actually engaging with. I mean, they're basically um, food, housing, and transportation, right? That's where their money's mm-hmm. going. They don't have investments that can plus or minus. They don't have all these other areas that, that kind of affect um, inflationary numbers. So, you know, if inflation is sitting at 7% or whatever it is right now, when you're looking at somebody who is living very close to the poverty line or just above, they're actually feeling more like 13, 14, 15% because the mm-hmm. bulk of their money at this moment is going entirely to the things that are hardest hit. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, maybe an average family is going to feel that $1,000, which is a lot, but $1,000 to a low-income family it's frankly a heck of a lot more money than a thousand dollars to a middle or higher income family. You know, so. and um, over the holidays, we uh, did a number of stories and visits, and we spoke to a number of food banks. Um, usage is skyrocketing. Yeah. Donations are down. Yeah, and donations are down partly because of the cost. So, exactly. someone who would typically donate can no longer to can no longer afford to sort of pick up those extra few cans and drop them in the bin at the grocery store or wherever they were making their donations. So yeah, it's it's both sides of it are going to get hit. 
why? Why are we seeing these incredible... I, I don't know that I buy the supply. I'm inclined not to when you start looking at profit reports, which can be really, really hard. Right? I've, I've been following a bunch of this as well, like everybody else. Um, for private uh, businesses, it can be really, really hard to find profit reports. I mean, my sense of it is a couple of things maybe come into play. So... COVID hits, everybody's trapped at home. There is some disposable income that, that typically a family would have spent, say, going to the movies or going on a vacation or something. And so suddenly those areas where they might have spent that money are no longer open to them. And that's why you got the big boom in, like, renovations and, and house fixing up, you mm-hmm. know. And those costs started to climb and climb. Now, that was partly supply chain and and in truth, a piece of the grocery store was probably supply chain as well. I would imagine factories closing down, which, you know, has knock-on effects. But it, it almost feels like um, the levels that things rose to, supply and demand, right? The demand went up, prices go up, things settle back down, people have the expectation of going back to kind of normal or the way it was before, and some of these um, the prices and areas that kind of climbed through the pandemic aren't dropping back in line. They're, mm-hmm. they're now the new normal. There's hundreds of reasons possibly why that happened from the corporate side. But then you've also got exacerbated, you know, pay raises, um, um, living wages. We, we Wages across the board have fallen behind, and they've fallen behind and fallen behind and gotten worse and worse and worse over time. And so when there is an adjustment up, it's not offsetting the years of static. Yeah. And we just keep getting further and further behind. Yeah. So it's the combination of the two. It's the distance between what I bring home against the cost out there. And then from the, the business side of it, it's like, oh, well, we can charge this now. We're going to keep charging this now. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's not going to be price rollbacks. And if there's a price... And like I said about the, the sizes of things, honestly, the only stuff I see is at the same price is a smaller volume. Yeah. You ever turn cheese on its side now? Like, it's crazy how thin a block of cheese is these days. And it's you know, But you're paying the same for the to, for that block, even though it's, it's considerably less. So, honestly, I, I don't know what the solution is. It's frustrating and... and for a lot of people, it's pretty terrifying. Well, you know, back in March, um, when there was the um, the leaders of the grocery store changed the uh, top yeah. grocery store in the parliamentary committee, and they say, mm-hmm. we're not responsible for the prices, we're not price gouging, and yet... Higher profits in, 22, in 2022 than over the last five years. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be frank, and, and I'm going to call BS on that. Yeah, yeah. And I think most and, people would. Well, and the thing is, again, higher price. So during the pandemic, you would expect an uptick in expenditures, like sort of for your home and, and for eating more at home. And people couldn't go out. They had nothing else to do. So they fixed up their houses. They worked on the gardens. They cooked nice meals because they couldn't go to restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it feels like that increased demand kind of pulled prices up. And we're not seeing those prices relax back to some kind of normal 
level. Mm -hmm. They're up, they're staying up. We're not going to get price reductions at this point. And then it begs the question, well, is, is the solution to force them to drop their prices, shame them into it, which doesn't seem to be working, frankly, or acknowledge that the other side of this equation is that household incomes have been falling further and further behind cost of living. And so if, as you have that, those income sources slowly fall behind, the gap just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're where we are now. Were those price freezes, a lot of companies did implement quote unquote price freezes um, last year. Were they, were they really frozen? I don't have a sense of that. And the other thing is, so one of the questions that came up in that, um, in those discussions and then follow up um, interviews, if you look at the pricing of grocery stores throughout the year for like the last 10 years, there have been all, there have always been moments throughout the year where they have always done price freezes anyways it's a marketing strategy they see different times of the year they're they're kind of um focusing on different things and and that whole sort of fanfare about the price freezes they do that all the time so it wasn't like it was a big bonus oh aren't we nice it that was that's been part of their market marketing you know the dollar days that yeah i don't even know if they're dollar days anymore at no frills i mean that's been going on for decades so yeah. this whole notion that somehow they were offsetting the damage being done um, to pricing because of the pandemic, and they were like holding the line, this was nothing, this was like just a typical year as far as their marketing strategy and their pricing strategy. Nothing really changed. Yeah. So yeah, I and- don't know that it was such a big deal. They, it was certainly marketed as a big deal, but it's something they've been doing for decades. So I guess the solution then has to lie with the consumer themselves and how they are spending the money, where they are spending the money. Well, okay, but so wait, I'm put, laying it at the feet of the consumer is a problem because again, mm-hmm. the distance between what they have available to them and what the cost of living actually is, is increasing. So, so if everything, if the solution is only the consumer somehow magically becoming a better consumer, yeah, that's a pretty big ask. Yeah, fair enough, fair um, enough. Right? So I think part of it, people can can make different choices. But honestly, for me, the biggest thing that can be done is advocacy mm-hmm. from the consumers. Going, writing your MPPs, your MPs, um, going to your local councils, um, a lot of, um, so we're very rural, small communities, a fair distance away from larger centers with more, more options for shopping. Um, public transit, advocating yeah. for stuff like, like rattling cages about things like this. Because to say that it's entirely up to an individual household to somehow um, cut to the bone to the point where they can manage to put food on the table I think advocacy in the long run would go further than asking somebody who walks to the grocery store um, and if they don't have a vehicle, there's no public transportation, it's the only grocery store available to them, and to somehow tell them that, oh yeah, volume buying, it'll save you lots of money. Well, Mm -hmm. how do you walk home with 48 rolls of toilet paper Yeah, and a backpack full of soup because it's on sale? Is there any way, do you think, that um, applying to corporations, or is that just wasted breath? That investigation into pricing and price gouging 
I think at a certain level was an attempt to shame. It didn't work. It didn't seem Not to have a bit. any. There was there was a little bit of pushback on the in commercials and marketing. I think PC had to run a commercial that was saying, hey, it's not our fault, we're doing our best. And it's like, dude, yeah. no, not so much. So food, putting food on your table, is not a luxury item. So, you know, the, the kinds of um, just choosing not to buy that product or choosing, you know, to, to boycott that store, some people, it, that's not always an option. I think, honestly, advocacy through government at all levels. I think that will will get as much movement as anything else and it needs to be one of the tools. I mean, yeah, still rattle the chains of, of corporate grocery stores, mm-hmm. but that can't be the only thing because honestly, their obligation as a business is to make money for the people who own the business. Yeah. By law, that's their obligation. And so asking them to take a loss for the greater good is not going to happen. Nope. Um, the only way things like that happen are through government or, or um, sort of grassroots movements through boycotts and things like that. But again, these are not things that people can necessarily boycott. You've got kids. There's no milk, eggs, bread. The other thing is, well, cook at home or, you know... <laughs> If you're, if you're holding down two jobs and still not making ends meet, all of those arguments kind of fly out the window as well. And it's important to remember people were having a tough time before the pandemic. I'm at the um, I'm Adult Learning Center, and this has just um, become far more visible to far more people. And, mm-hmm. and more and more people are experiencing what an awful... We started that a food and finance course probably 10 years ago because this was a big issue for people even then. Yeah. What kind of um, advice are you giving people on how they can be um, saving money uh, at the grocery store? So we did it as a roundtable. So a lot of this, these kinds of strategies came actually from people participating in the program. Um, one strategy that came up was ride sharing so that they could actually get to a grocery store or so we're in South River we're halfway between Huntsville and and North Bay but ride sharing to get up to the Bay or down to Huntsville so that you could go to you know different grocery stores you weren't you weren't captive captive of the local grocery store which do they tend to be more expensive the other thing was shop share so I buy 24 rolls of toilet paper and you buy 18 rolls of paper towel and we swap we divide them in half Hmm. and swap. You've also got to appreciate, so for some people living in poverty, space is an issue. They're living in very small places. So even a six box of of Kleenex or something like that, or a flat of cans, if you're going to buy them, you have to be able to put them someplace. Yeah. And I mean, we came up with all sorts of creative solutions, like raising your bed up off the ground so you can store stuff under there, taking your front hall closet, which traditionally might be winter coats and things like that and turning it into a pantry oh so that you can bulk buy so you can store stuff put stuff someplace otherwise you know you're living in a bachelor or one bedroom with three people where do you put stuff mm-hmm. it becomes it becomes an issue another thing and this can be really really hard when you're very close to the bone but carving out a small extra chunk of money 
to bulk buy a single item each time you shop. So you're not constantly getting like the two rolls of toilet paper each time because that gets really, really expensive per. But if you only got $50 to feed your family for the week, and, and that happens, spending $10 to save, you know, on some bulk item, honestly, isn't an option. Yeah. So starting to carve out that little extra to let you do those kinds of bulk purchases you do one bulk purchase a, a trip and you start to build in a little bit of leeway in your shopping. So you're not always buying the least you can buy at any given time. Mm-hmm. Every now and then you get you get to buy that volume discount purchase. And we spend time with, you know, safe food handling. So talking about, you know, if you do get one of those family packs of ground beef, well, how do you deal with that when you get home? Mm-hmm. And fingers crossed you have a freezer because not everyone has a freezer. What are your thoughts on buying um, generic brands? Is there really any savings there? I believe there is. I once painted a kitchen yellow because it matched the yellow store. I had so (laughs) much no-frills yellow store stuff that I needed, like, it to blend. The times that I've bought um, name brands, I haven't noticed such a difference in quality. There's a few things that, yeah, go name brand. But... Typically, um, I haven't noticed such an increase in quality that that it was worth the extra price. No-name stuff just tastes normal to me. I buy all no-name. Yeah. Now, meat is probably uh, one of the things that hurts the most at the grocery store for a lot of people. Any advice there? So back in the day, um, pre-COVID, we had started eating a lot of chicken thighs because they were lovely. Mm-hmm. And really inexpensive relative to, like, getting chicken breast or legs or anything else. Um, yeah, that's not a thing anymore. Yeah. We are eating very little, virtually no red meat, a uh, little bit of chicken. We're eating a little bit more fish and um, a lot of the proteins coming from eggs and cheese now. We don't eat a lot of meat. We had been moving in that direction. So this is we, that's the royal we, my household. Mm-hmm. We had been moving in that direction for a while. I honestly cannot imagine what sort of a typical North American meat diet shop would look like now. We're also doing a lot more with a lot less. So a chicken breast in a stir fry, one breast is for two people, more than enough with rice and stir fry vegetables. Um, whereas if you're having it sort of like a, just on its own, each person's going to have one of those. So we have gone to smaller portions on the meat within bigger meals. What is your top number one tip for saving money at the grocery store? If you can, carve out that little piece to bulk buy. It will take a while to adjust, but it infuriates me. It's one of those rules of life. You need to be rich to stay rich. Those upfront costs that end up saving you money when you're living in poverty, you don't have access to that. So your fees, your per item will always be higher. Mm-hmm. And you need the same amount in the end. You, you're just obliged to buy it more often at a higher price. So if there's any way to carve out that one extra little bit, that extra $5 that you throw specifically at this month, I'm going to buy the 48 roll of toilet paper. Next month, I'm going to buy a flat of soup. Next month, do you get where I'm going? Yeah, absolutely. That, if 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 you can if you can make that happen, 
and it takes time and it's really hard for sometimes to pull off um that's my go-to just quickly for our listeners don't just sit there and take it have your say contact your local government do something about this contact everybody i mean let the store manager know let let your town council know let you know your mp and your mpp know um, their numbers, everything's online. You can you can find out who you should be writing to. Shoot them an email. Exactly. Just, like, this has to stop. And that is the bottom line. Thank you so much, Randy. This is a great discussion. There's so much to cover. We're going to have to do this again. Thank you so much. If you'd like to find out more about the great programs at the Almaguin Learning Center, check out their website, almaguinlearningcenter.org. And for more great stories, head to my website, 705blackfly.com. You've been listening to Beyond Headlines on 88.7 FM, The Bay. I'm Sabina Hooper.